When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast episode 71. Death, taxes, and beating Spurs. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, a podcast that loves Chelsea beating Spurs. Jack, I'm joined by you as always. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, yeah I'm really good, to be fair. You can't uh, can't say you're not good after beating Spurs and it only being 23 days into the new year and we've already beaten them three times. So, yeah, like I said, you can't complain and we just got to hope that we take that momentum. I know we'll have a few days off now, but take that momentum into the Club World Cup and then into the rest of the season. Yeah, death taxes and beating Tottenham. Those are the three certainties in life if you're a Chelsea <laughs> fan. Uh, return to the podcast for the first time since we beat Newcastle back when life was good, when Reese James was scoring, when Ben Chilwell was amazing and a fit. All those happy days. A lot has changed since then, but he's back discussing a tuna win over Spurs. Pat, how are we doing, my man? Nick, I'm doing really, really, really well. After after the way we played midweek and to come back and get one of those guarantees in life with beating with beating Tottenham Hotspur. Four games this season, four clean sheets. And uh, like you said, death taxes and beating Tottenham. Uh, so I'm doing really, really well. Um, just happy to be back on the podcast. And thank you to you and Jack for the honor to get to come back on. Cheers for coming on, Pat. I look forward to getting into it with you this episode. Uh, as always, do with guests, why don't you tell the good people who listen to us where they can find you on Twitter, but also, you know, a bit about some of the content you produce. Sure. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at it's at PTP underscore COYB. I do match previews, match reviews. I do video series from time to time. I've been thinking about the next one I want to do, which I hope to start in a couple of weeks. And really just try to keep the try to keep the positive mindset and you know talk about the club that we all love and you're listening to this podcast because you love Chelsea and um really again I just appreciate the opportunity to be on oh cheers Pat the pleasure honestly is all ours but before we get into the good bit of beating Spurs there was another game this midweek that we do have to unfortunately touch upon which was Brighton now Jack Mate, you 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 were you made the unfortunate decision to go. Um, <laughs> just just quick thoughts: How much do you regret going? But also, how bad was that to watch? Oh uh, yeah, it was it wasn't ideal, was it? Um, but you've got to take you've got to take the drop points with like you take them as they go. As a football fan, you can't win every week. You just take it on the chin onto the next one, and then yeah, you just got to be happy today. But overall, Tuesday. Um, shocking performance just very lethargic Um, yeah just it wasn't enjoyable to watch the atmosphere in the away end wasn't as good as usual was a little bit flat and then to top it all off afterwards it took an hour and a half an hour and 15 minutes to get out the car park so uh, 
it wasn't a happy bunny at the end of that night no no exactly so thankfully i didn't get a ticket for that so thankfully i watched at home i watched on bt sport and as soon as the full-time whistle went i just turned it off and went to bed uh that's for luxuries i guess of watching it on the tv um pat it was yeah it wasn't very enjoyable that was probably one of the worst games to watch i feel probably since the last time we played brighton actually um it feels both times we played brighton this season but also the game last year under Tuchel as well whatever you know we'll get onto it about how tuchel's played spurs five times and beaten him five times he's played brighton three times and he's failed to beat him three times um what is it with brighton because they're very good team yeah brighton is a good team i after watching that game i felt like hakeem ziesh uh celebrating his goal in that game i i, I that's about how i felt the entire game so uh, with hakeem ziesh even scoring a goal and not even wanting to celebrate that's how i felt watching that whole 90 minutes and i don't know what it is about not being able to beat brighton i mean we've never lost to brighton you know, you know, in the top flight, I mean, it's, you know, and, but yet recently our recent form against them, it just seems to be what they seem to do every game, draw after draw after draw. And it was, I mean, we were, I think Jack said at best, we were, we were lethargic. We, you know, there was no, there was no link up between the midfield and the attack. I mean, the only thing, you know, just, I thought that the goal by Ziyech was kind of just kind of came out of nowhere. And then, and then we just tried to sit back and absorb pressure. And I'm like, why don't we try to kill them off? It was really, really frustrating. And like you, as soon as, as soon as full-time whistle hit, I turned it off because I was like, I don't want to hear any reaction to this and about how we all know how Chelsea is perceived in the media anyway, and how they don't ever give us any kind of break. And it's always a crisis if we don't get three points. So I didn't want to have to listen to any of that. So as soon as, as, soon as the full whistle, full-time whistle went off, I turned off, I turned off my television. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It was it wasn't enjoyable to say Ziyech scored a goal from range, didn't celebrate it. He was looked a moody moody bugger all night, uh, as did Lukaku. <laughs> as did quite a lot of them. They just looked like they didn't want to be there, to be fair. And I don't blame them because this game wasn't even scheduled till about three weeks ago. So I do have some sympathy with them there. Yeah, we won the up and then we conceded goal from a corner. I mean, I don't know. To be fair to us, Phil has probably like the first goal we've conceded from a set piece this season or something feels like it. So I'm not going to be too harsh, but yeah, it's poor. Webster gets free of his man, lashes home, it's 1-1, and we never really looked like scoring again, to be fair. The subs were late. Um, so, yeah, we're not going to spend too long. Brian has said, I made, I just put some quick thoughts out on Twitter after the game because I didn't want to spend too long. And I said, that's the first time that I maybe genuinely didn't really have a clue what we were trying to do. I didn't see a Thomas Tuchel side, but I just didn't see what we were trying to do. Uh, the attack was an absolute joke. And I, again, that's kind of, you know, a common theme of this season. Unfortunately, I thought midweek Kante didn't have one of his good games. I thought he killed, unfortunately, a lot of our attacks. Final third ball was, was poor, he was missing. Uh, I said, too cool. Don't moan about congestion if you don't make subs to 80 minutes. That again was one of my takeaways. And I said, persevere with Aspi and Alonso, sort of as wingbacks, fullbacks, prepare for, you know, you just got to be prepared for some pain because unfortunately they did not offer much. And then, you know, Alonso got his obligatory yellow card where I said, if anyone wants to make easy money, just bet on an Alonso yellow card because it is inevitable at the moment. He will get absolutely rinsed and give away a foul. And then, yeah, I said, Mason was again I thought pretty ordinary against Brian but that was kind of it we won't spend too long in it it was poor it was restraining it was just a tired Chelsea side it was a tired Chelsea side that had basically just been playing a lot of football playing football that they shouldn't have been really having to play because again I don't think that Brighton game really should have been you know didn't need to be played there considering you know it was originally a free week and we all you know played a lot more games than many of our other teams in the league but we got it done we got points and I suppose, Jack, if you'd said to me, we draw with Brighton, but we beat Spurs, we probably would take that because it doesn't get <laughs> yeah. much better than beating Spurs. Jack, why is it? Why is it? But we've been struggling in January. We've been struggling even like in December as well. But Spurs have been our easiest games. We played them three times and they have been our easiest games. What is it? Why is <laughs> why are Spurs so easy for us to play? Oh. I don't know, to be honest, because now, now they've got a good manager, don't they? It's not it's not like you're playing against Nuno, etc. No, no disrespect to him, but Conte's a just completely different level of class as a manager. Um, I, I, I don't know, because, Con, Con, yeah, like I said, Conte's a good manager and for Thomas Tuchel to outsmart him three times and you saw today Conte changed to play in a back four, which he never, never really does. Um, trying to do something different but still we were all over them I think potentially it's just the boys maybe that have come through the system players like Aspi that have been there a long time they understand what playing Tottenham Hotspur is what kind of game it is the rivalry between the two clubs and I just think everyone takes their game to 
an upper notch or two when we play Tottenham. Um, and yeah, you can't complain. Like Pat said earlier, four games this season, four clean sheets, eight goals against them. And uh, as, we'll, as we already knew, London is blue. Mate, no, exactly, exactly. Chelsea became the first side to beat Spurs four times in one season since Chelsea in 2002. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, that is our fifth win in a row against Spurs. It's the third time we've done this in club history. Yeah, it's just quite, quite easy. So that's Thomas Tuchel's fifth game against Tottenham and he's won all five and he hasn't conceded a goal yet. So it is just very, just an air of inevitability about Chelsea beating Spurs. I said, you know, we're in a Chelsea in a bit of a crisis. Who do you want to play Spurs? Simple, simple as. <laughs> um, we'll get into it. I thought, you know, Pat, the first half was, we're sort of, I guess, a tale of what we come to see from Chelsea this season. We're in control of possession, but we didn't really do much with it. I think I'd be fair to sum up that first half. I think that's spot on. I mean, from minute one, I mean, we go forward and, uh, you know, I think it was Mount that in the what in the first minute that put put a cross in, and then Lukaku has a really ch- has a chance to put you know to put it in the net. And admittedly, it was a bit of a of a tough strike, but still, I mean, he had a chance. A guy with his class, you would expect to try to put that on target, and he didn't. And yeah, it was that final pass, that final cross, that final shot that we you know has been the story of our recent struggles. Is that we've not been clinical in front of goal. We've you know that that last pass and that last cross and last shot have failed us and. You know, that's what we've been complaining about, about, you know, I was surprised at the at the lineup that we were seeing the same attacking four that we saw in the game against Brighton. So, I mean, that was the you know, that was a that was a big shock to me. But, you know, again, I don't know if it was like Jack said that we were coming up against, uh, you know, Spurs and everyone goes up a few notches. But, you know, it was a different attack today, I thought. You know, but yeah, first half, it was frustrating because I think Antonio Conte would have gone in the happier of the two managers because he was experimenting with his with that back four, as Jack said, he doesn't normally play a back four. And maybe he was playing that, you know, out of necessity. But, um, you know, we should we had a few chances in the first half. where We should have put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. It was a bit frustrating. But, you know, we scored early. And Jack, before we get on to the wonder strike from Akim's edge. I want to take a moment to praise Callum Hudson-Odoi because I don't know how many times we've said it, we want Callum Hudson-Odoi to take on his man. And what happens when he takes on a man? He creates that, he gets that assist back in the edge. Just a quick word on like Callum Hudson-Odoi and his role in, that, in the build-up for that first goal. Yeah, massive role. I mean, if he can't take anything away from the start strike from Zia, it's absolutely brilliant. But Callum Hudson-Odoi doesn't pick that ball up, have a look over his shoulder, see that there's space behind him and can go and beat his man the goal doesn't happen at the end of the day does it so yeah I thought Callum was brilliant had Tanganga on ropes uh, for the whole game he really was uh, struggling could have got sent off um, so you had to be careful but yeah Callum again it's what we want to see we say it so many times you want to see him taking on his man that's what him playing in that left wing role is all about uh, taking on his man cutting in on his right foot and I think that worked really well today with him and Ziyech on either, either wing. Um, I thought they were both brilliant. Yeah. And then, Jack, the strike from Hakim Ziyech. As goals go, it doesn't get much better than that. Top bins curling into the top <laughs> corner. Just as aesthetically pleasing goals go, that is right up there. Yeah. There's the left pegger for you, top bins. Nothing beats a left footed strike like that. And... For, for me, uh, even before that goal, um, I thought, to be fair, when I was watching the game, I thought he's he's having such a good game. I think he is going to pop up with a goal. But his all-round game today for Hakem, Z- Hakem Ziyech was honestly brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I know fans take a pop at him quite a few times when he loses possession by trying to make those passes. But that's that's his game is playing those risky passes, trying to make something happen. And a lot of times today he got Aspi on a overlap in behind, got ball into Mason to create for them to then hit the ball across to Lukaku, etc., and create chances for us. And then his other side of the game as well, tracking back, just looking like he was really putting in a hundred percent shift. And uh towards the end of the game, they put up a graphic on Sky Sports and it was just you can see why why he was given man of the match I think it was a no-brainer it was like 
goals one first, joint first, shots five first, final third entries first, passes in the final third first, crosses first, duels one first and tackles first. So just shows he did an all-round game today. And for me, that's probably one of his, probably his best, but if not one of his best performances in a Chelsea shirt. Hakim Ziyech's game by numbers be Spurs. 96 touches, 13 final third entries, 10 duels won, 10 ball recoveries, 10 crosses, 5 shots, 4 shots on target, 4 tackles, 3 fouls won, 2 chances created, 2 take-ons. Pat, that was... He is a player who divides a lot of opinion in this fan base. He is a player who's a bit of an enigma. He is a player who frustrates a lot of people because he is so hit and miss. But that, I think, is probably the best we've seen of Hakim Ziyech in a Chelsea show. Would you agree? I would. For me, far and away, his best complete performance and his most complete performance in a Chelsea shirt. Um, Jack brought up a good point, that I, something that I wanted to bring up as well, is that, you know, you have Ziyech was the same player now that he was in, in Holland. I mean, in the Netherlands, he, he's always been that player that's been, you know, I've heard people call him a moments player. He's in there for that special bit of magic that he has. But what I like today is what Jack referenced, which was his all around game, his, when he lost the ball, he would go back and win the ball. It was his work rate. And it was putting in that energy and that, in that shift for the team. And he wasn't just kind of lackadaisical. And when he'd lose the ball, he would just kind of you know, moan and pout about it. He would, he would actually go back and win it. And he was really putting in a shift that, that you need to have in that position. And I, as, as one, much as I loved that worldy of a goal that he scored, I, I appreciate even more the fact that he was doing all that work off the ball and, and bringing other people into play, linking up with people. I thought his crosses were better today. I thought his passes were better today. I thought that, you know, again, just you know, with the, with the duels that he won and, you know, getting those tackles in to win the ball back, that's what we need from him. And I think that's been the complaint among people who have criticized him has been that, you know, even when his pass hasn't been on, he hasn't been doing the other stuff either. So to see him not only be on today, but also add to add to that with all the other parts of his game to put in a really complete performance and a very well-deserved man of the match display today. That's what pleased me the most. Yeah. No, Zali, that was uh, as Kakim Ziyech for, performance did have it all when it is was noticeable he did work so so hard today he was tracking back he's putting in tackles as I said in that that stat I mentioned you know tackles one etc he was really really putting himself about there and he deserved you know that standing ovation he got you know when he came off the pitch he was absolutely brilliant today and hopefully fingers crossed you know that's something he can carry on and look as much as you know we get you know there was maybe a lot of frustration but it was the same front four or whatever that played against Brian we have also at the same time wanted Tuchel to just, you know, back go would go with a settled attacking lineup. And now we might see, you know, we have sort of paid, you know, reap rewards with ZH getting two and two. And while he's you know, while Brian, there wasn't many positives to take away today, there certainly were a lot more. And then Jack, the second goal that kills it off. Tiago Silva just loves playing Spurs now. That's twice he scored against him in the league this season. Twice he's absolutely bossed them. Um, and also a word for the amazing delivery from Mason Mount. I mean, as good as deliveries go into box, that is that is just what you want. Just put it in an area, and all Tiago Silva needs to do is just get a little bit on it in his pass series. Yeah, completely on the money. I think in those kind of positions as a free kick taker, you for me, I think that's what you've got to do. You don't really aim for a man, you stick it in an area, and someone should be getting on the end of that if they've got some kind of wits about them. And as we know, Mr. Silva. Uh, Benjamin Button himself, he he um, he's all over that. He knows where to be. Not the tallest centre-back in the world, but just knows where to be, nods it straight in the corner. And, um, yeah, you just love to see it. Someone who's come to the club and you thought it might only be for a, for a year and it looks like it's going to be three years. And at his age, he's he's honestly... You run out of words to describe it, really. He's just been absolutely amazing for us. His performances on the pitch, but also outside it, you can see how much he's brought into Chelsea, the philosophy of Chelsea, what Chelsea's about as a club. Um, you've only got to look at his his wife's Twitter and her stuff as well to see that the fat whole family's bought into it. Um, and yeah, for him to today score that goal, and I saw that he's... Uh, the oldest player to score in the Premier League since February 2013 uh, when Ryan Giggs scored against Queen's Park Rangers for Man United. So he just keeps setting levels and we've said it many times before as well, for those youngsters to learn off a player like that, um, 
it's going to be going to only do those boys such a world of good for their own careers. Yep, he's also the oldest player to score in the Premier League this season, aged 37 and 123 days. I mean, he is just absolutely phenomenal. And again, he, you know, dealt with Harry Kane, he dealt with the threat of Spurs over well, and on Mason Mount. He's now been directly involved in more goals than any other Chelsea player this season. 30 games, seven goals, seven assists. And this is this Pat is a player who many of us have felt he's not been as good as he was last season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I think I think we've been saying that because of the high standards that Mason Mount has set for himself. I mean, he was so outstanding last season. I don't think we saw very much of a dip in form at all. But at, at some point, players aren't machines. You know, they're going to get tired at some point. And we saw today, I think, that, you know, Mason was kind of anonymous against Brighton. Uh, you could say that about a lot of players. But um, he certainly didn't have his best game. But we saw... Um, Nick, kind of what you brought up at the beginning of the pod about it's amazing what a few days rest can do because we saw we saw Mason Mount today and it was a different player. He was breaking the lines. He was he was doing what we love to see him do. Right, he joins the attack, but he'll also drop back and play play as an eight, and he'll he'll put in that defensive work. He does. He's he's our only player that can really die. You know that that can come into our side and can do both sides of the game like that as well as he does when he's playing at his best. And from minute one, I thought he looked up for it and. You know, being a Chelsea boy, as long as he's been, you know, that he knows what Tottenham means, uh, you know, how it's a it's a it's it's a requirement to beat them. And um, and the fact that he he put in a shift from minute one, he was putting in great energy. He was up for it all game. I mean, really, you know, because he set that high standard for himself. That's what this is the kind of Mason Mount that we expect, you know, week in, week out. And uh, glad to say that he put in that kind of performance today. Yeah, no, without a doubt, I think that's probably Mason's best performance, you know, this year by a mile. That was more like he was involved, he was a live wire, he was just everywhere. He was, that's Mason Mount we've come to love and know. And yeah, it was just brilliant. Um, you know, after that, it was 2-0, the game was pretty much killed off. You know, Rom had a chance to make it 3-0. Um, we'll get on to Rom in the questions because that gives probably a better chance to talk about him. Uh, Kepa made a big save at the end. Just, you know, stop it from being a bit nervy if Kane, that Kane header goes in, there's a bit of time plus injury time at 2-1. We saw Spurs did midweek. We don't want to give them, you know, a chance to, to get more late goals. Um, and then obviously one of the interesting ones was Malang Saar playing at the left back in the back four. Obviously Alonso was rested as well. And I thought he did pretty well there. And again, we'll get into Malang Saar in our questions. But yeah, it was just a very, very good day. The day where, Jack, there have been a lot of talk recently as well. You know, top four been in danger. We'd even, you know, said this as well. You know, top four is in danger. But with that win against Spurs... It now means we are 11 points clear of them. They do have four games now. So if they did win all four, they could overtake us. But that is quite a tall order. That would seem quite a tall order for a team this season in Premier League, just given how teams just seem to be dropping points. Uh, Arsenal yeah. drew a Burnley say as well. So that was big for us. And all of a sudden, you know, I said this week, but started off quite negatively. It just ended on a good note. We now don't play for a bit. We go to the Club World Cup. Just how much like does it feel, how much better does it feel now just, you know, thinking just about our current top four position, but also just the state of the club at the moment as well? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, today, at the end of the day, was a must-win game uh, based on the on those points. I know teams have been dropping a lot of points, but psychologically, if Spurs had won, especially after the result the other day against Leicester, they would have been, yeah, right right up high and up for their next games and games and games in hand. I think the result today and performance today just showed that there is there is a gulf in in class and talent between Chelsea and Spurs, which you'd like to uh think would suggest that we'll have a comfortable third position in the in the league. Um and I think we've played Liverpool twice, we've played Spurs uh, we've played Spurs twice twice, we've played Man City twice. I think we've only really got Arsenal at home, West Ham at home, United away. Difficult games, but the other teams have got more of the teams in the top half to play than us. So you'd like to think, hopefully, it won't be another top four scrap. And yeah, just great, great to go into this to this little break. Uh, we've got a trophy to go and win in Abu Dhabi, hopefully, and then back for the FA Cup and. Yeah, just the rest of the season. I think if we play like that, um, then we've got every chance in these in these cup competitions. We know how good we are in knockout games, and I think we just need to cement that that position in the Premier League, so it's not a top four scrap. And then we can, towards the end of the season, rest a few players in the Premier League, so we can really go 
for teams in the Champions League, etc. Yeah, no, that win did an awful lot for us today. And they said it now only means that, you know, only Spurs with the teams from the game in hand can actually catch us now points wise if they were to win all their games. So as I say, it felt that today did feel really big. And again, just sort of a statement performance again, you know, under under Thomas Tuchel this year, you know, we've, we've not beaten Liverpool. We did draw them twice and there were some, you know, adverse circumstances we intervened well, but we were also twice comfortably beaten by City. So I guess it was nice just to get in, you know, in the league, just another comfortable performance against a supposed top four rival just to really stay out claiming there. That was really nice to see. We are going to move on to listener questions because this gives us a chance to discuss some other players. RJ has sent in three. The first part out of those I'm going to give to Pat. Pat, does Malangsar's recent performances make you feel he might slowly start to make himself more regular in this squad this season and beyond? Because he was a player who many of us felt were, well, we bought him on a free, you know, he's just going to be one of those players we sell him for profit. He might be involved in some cup games. He stepped in some cup games. He's done quite well. You know, obviously he had the Premier League game against Bradford, but he did fairly solid. But it now seems, you know, that's too, you know, he started against City in the league, you know, and he started today against Spurs and he's not really put a foot wrong. So is he a player whose performances make you feel he could, you know, become like quite an important cog in Thomas Tuchel's machine? Well, certainly talking about this season, I would say absolutely because, and I was, and I would say that it benefits, that it benefits um, the team and Marcus Alonso that um, Malang Sarr is in good form as well, because when do we see the best Marcus Alonso when he's not comfortable? And, you know, the, the fact that, um, uh, that if Malang Sarr stays in form and he gives, you know, viable competition to Marcus Alonso for that, for that left back spot, I mean, I think that's just, just good for the team. And, uh, you know, we know Ben Chilwell's out for the season and we don't know with this board what we're going to, if we're going to get another left back in before the January transfer window closes. So it's good to know that we have Melangsar who is coming in and he's, I mean, I'm not saying he's sitting here, you know, like, like he's like a world-class center back, like left back at, at, at this point, but he's, what we need right now is a guy that can do a job. And Melangsar is doing just that. He's not putting a foot wrong. And like I said, I think that, if um, he's coming up against someone like Marcus Alonso, um, if Marcus Alonso doesn't feel comfortable because he has competition for that left back spot, we may get better performances possibly out of Marcus Alonso because we've we've seen that when he has competition, he seems to play better than have competition. Uh, you know, now as to what level he performs, it depends. You know, that's obviously a matter of opinion, but I think it's I I do think that Malangsar at least for this season before Ben Chilwell comes back can be part of uh, Tomas Tuchel's plans. Yeah, no, I think fully, fully agreed there. The second part of that was what constructive feedback would you give about our performance tonight? Because Joe, obviously it wasn't perfect. There was still a frustration. I guess one of the biggest frustrations is for all of our control in the first half we had over Spurs, we didn't create the volume of chances we'd have liked, which obviously in the second half we were able to rectify with the, with the volume of chances we created. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, that's the key. And to be more clinical, I think we didn't maybe create clear-cut chances in the first half, but some of them were still chances. Lukaku, Mason plays the ball in and bounces in front of him and he hits over his right foot. It's still difficult one to control on his weak foot, but it's still a chance. The one where Lukaku just completely swing and misses it, that was a chance to me. So we still created chances, just not clear-cut ones. And then, yeah, just... We always say it, just be more clinical. You need to be a machine like Man City, stick stick the ball in the back of the net when you get the opportunities. But you can't complain second half, two chance, two like big chance, two goals. Um, I think constructively as well, you, you know what you're getting, like we said, um, or like you said, your thoughts from the Brighton game. You've got Aspi there and Malang Sar, they're not. They haven't got as much athleticism as a Chilwell or Reese James, so they're not going to be getting as 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 further forward and putting in as good crosses and 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 quality of delivery. Um, and as P like stalled a few chances just by a poor pass to Mason or something like that. So maybe that slightly, but when you've when you've won and you've got three points, I don't think you can complain too much. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Was, you know, if you if we want to be ultra critical, then I think there's a frustration that we could have even like killed that game off even further. It could have been free if there been you know some decisions, better decisions made. Uh, I did think you know there was at times there was one moment I think we got caught on the counter very easily by Spurs at uh, one point in the second half, which worried me a little bit. Um, 
I think I, it's like I, the first the first leg in the Carabao Cup. We could have won that five six nil, yeah. and it would have been done. So yeah, similar no, to that. No, exactly, exactly. I say I think Aspi. There were points where his passing, he just underhit passes, which just unfortunately yeah. killed it, killed some of our attacks. Uh, being hypercritical, I thought Kante when he came on was a bit sloppy with some of his passing. He didn't quite look at it. Being you know hypercritical, there were moments I was getting near the end of the game. There was space. Ziyech missed a clear chance to pass to Hudson Odoi when he was free down the left, and Kovacic missed a glaring opportunity. And I was in the stuff, and I was, I was, I didn't get too animated, but I was getting so frustrated, so annoyed because I was like, Callum's free, Callum's free, but we just didn't. You know, there were some passes that were missed, but I can't be too, too, you know, too critical because said it was, it was very good, it was very nice to see, and that was, you know, a professional complete performance where we didn't really you know have to overexert ourselves we just did what we needed to do uh the third and final part of our question was how did you rate Lukaku because this obviously was quite an interesting one because Pat for me that was probably Rom's best game since he came back into the side I felt there are points we did spot some of his runs a bit better he did hold the ball up quite well at points and he obviously you know for that chance where he, he spans spun Sanchez and got the short way that's what we kind of want to see from him but it did also feel at times that he was just a bit static. There were moments where I'm thinking, Ron, mate, do you want to get back on side? You know, there's no no rush here. Just, just l- 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 you know, just walking quite slowly to get back into it. And there, it did seem at points, well, it's, you know, it was it was some encouraging signs, I guess, from Ron, but we still want an awful lot more from him. Absolutely. I mean, I'm glad he didn't have to tie his, to tie his shoe today. But, um, but, but, but anyways... Um, I did think since he came back ever since that interview that we all know about and everything else that's gone on, I think that's probably the best that I've seen him play. Uh, obviously, you know, like, like you and Jack have both brought up, you know, he still needs to be clinical in front of goal. I mean, he's for a guy that, you know, has, you know, the price tag on that he has, he should be finishing some of those chances, not necessarily the first one, because that was a, that, you know, that's a difficult strike, but the one that he completely swung and missed, I mean, you know, that was put across, I mean, he has to, he has to put something on that and put that on target. And, um, but yeah, I thought his, I thought his um, hold up play today was a lot better than it's been recently. I think he was linking up with the attack with the other three attackers better than he has been in recent games. But um, yeah. I'm mean, so I would say, you know, not the performance that we want from him because we expect, you know, we need, we need him to put the ball in the net, but I would say the other parts of his game were much improved than from what we've seen recently. Yep, Jack, anything to add? No, I echo, echo those thoughts, really. It's just, it's still, I find it frustrating watching him at the moment. Um, yeah, just lacking that little bit of sharpness. But like we said, you saw encouraging signs like that one where he spun Sanchez. It always just, when he does that kind of movement, it reminds me of that video he did with uh, Jamie Carragher of Sky Sports. And he was like, this when he was back at Everton and he was like, saying to Jamie, if I've got a defender in this position and the ball comes into me, I'll roll them. And that was exactly what he did for, for Sanchez. So you just, yeah, you want to see more of that from Rom because that's what Rom's all about. Um, and yeah, like Pat mentioned, link-up play was slightly better, but for your 97 million investment, you're wanting more from your main man. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair there. Uh, next question comes in from Sham. Do you think Kepa's performances have gone under the radar during this extended run, or did you expect him to step up like he's done so far? Uh, for me, I don't really have anything to complain about with Kepa. You know, obviously, there was a talk last week about the Bruyne goal. Don't really care. Does he save it? Okay, it is what it is. Uh, he's, you know, he's stepped up. He played in the Carabao Cup ties against Spurs, did a job, made some important saves. And today against Spurs, didn't have to do too much, but made important saves. And he's keeping clean sheets, Pat. And ultimately, we're not really missing Eddie Mendy at the moment, which I guess is the biggest compliment we can praise Kepa. Absolutely. And and I know I can't speak for anybody else, but I know one of the questions I had coming into the season was, well, what are we going to do when Mendy is gone at AFCON? I mean, because, you know, we knew about the tough run of fixtures that we were going to have around this time, which we have. And Kepa has been you know, he, he stepped up and done, he's been very professional. And I think that's, that's something I want to credit him for is that not only on the pitch has he done a good job and, you know, I know people have a, have thoughts about whether, whether he should or should not have stopped that Kevin De Bruyne goal. I thought it was a great strike, but you know, everyone's got an opinion on it, but overall, you know, I think sometimes you had to, it's even harder to be at your best when you don't have a lot of activity on, you know, around your net than when you, when you, than when you have a lot of activity. So the fact that he's, 
stepping up and making big saves like the the corner the, you know the corner where um um Kerry Kane put in the header today and he made that save and you know you know the outstretched arms for the save and the dive I thought that was really good and I just appreciate how professional he's been all season in that you know he he obviously wants to be number one we all know that I mean you know anyone that's a professional wants to be starting every game but he's not he's not caused a problem this season he's I think our all three of our goalkeepers have gotten along really well and there's a good vibe between them in, in the place and um yeah, I mean, he's. we haven't missed Eddie Mendy, as you said, and that's just kind of a credit to the confidence that uh, Kep has been uh, giving the team and the supporters while uh, Eddie Mendy's been away. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, next question comes in from Dieter. Hi, guys, was this the best game of Hakim Ziyech in a Chelsea shirt? I know we kind of discussed that earlier, but I think the general consensus was yes. Uh, his second question is, why isn't Chelsea making any transfers? I'm not Marina, I don't know. Um <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't really give you much more than that. Um, third question. Is this huge performance a confidence booster for the rest of the season? Because, and I'll, I'll link in Dean question. He goes, only Tottenham or a huge win? Because, Jack, we've been before, I think we've been four without a win in the league, a couple of draws and wherever we've been. We hadn't taken many points. We've taken something like six from our previous five games before today. Form hadn't been great that did feel like a big win and hopefully, you know, a springboard now, you know, that's in theory, we've got, you know, kind of fixtures coming up now, a springboard to just get that momentum going for, for the rest of the season. Yeah. I think like I said earlier, psychologically, I think that was the biggest factor in the win today. If we drop points or lost points and seen the games in hand, the teams below us would be, looking over our shoulders a lot more so than I think we will be from now, from the from the win this evening. So um, I think, yeah, a huge, huge win and something that the boys should take massive confidence from into the next week in the Club World Cup where we've got another chance of winning another trophy and then into the rest of the season. And then I was just going to say as well quickly on the... Uh, on the uh, transfer transfer little question there, I just think earlier in the month I said we probably should be looking at getting a left back, left wing back or left back. But now you kind of think about it and you think when when you got Alonso, you've got Saar playing as well as he is. I don't think there's really much point. There's no point going and buying someone for six months until Chilwell's back. Clearly, Chelsea have got Chilwell and James and we've got a future plan where these two are going to be our main wing backs for hopefully a long time so unless you're going to go and get someone better than Ben Chilwell I don't think it's really worth it for the six months you take it on the chin and and we keep plugging away with the squad that we've got we've got a strong squad and uh, yeah we just need to keep going Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, next question's coming from Anna, who's got two. Uh, do you think that Hakim Ziyech will stay at Chelsea for a while, Pat? This is a tough question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if he if he performs like he did today, then yes, of course he can stay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you, if you're going very reactionary based off of today, and you and and you and you say <laughs> that you're going to get that Hakeem Ziyech every week, then of course you'd be you'd be a fool to let him go. But I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna adopt a wait and see approach on this one because I've got to see. You know, I'm praising him in isolation here. I mean, like this is this is one game where he's played really well, but there's been other games where you know he scored, but he hasn't done a lot off of that. Like you know, like the Brighton game. I didn't think he played very well in that game, like like most of the team didn't. Um, Tiago Silva is the only one I think in that game that I could have said had a had a good performance. But um, yeah, I'm not ready to say what that he's going to stay yet. I think it's going to depend on a lot of factors. We know at Chelsea, you know, two week two weeks in, in in Chelsea time, two two weeks later is a lot different than a lot of other clubs. So let's see what happens and let's see what he does the rest of the season, and we'll have to assess it, you know, in the summer. Now, the second part of that question is, which player would you say has improved the most this season? This, again, is a really hard question because I don't know. I don't know. Kovacic, is that a safe I, I, answer? I think he's probably been better than he was last season. I, I, my shout would be Malang Sar. 
because, I mean, Melangsar is, you know, no one expected him to play any kind of role this season. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was in Porto's B team last season. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not someone that I would have expected. I mean, I know he played for, for Nice week in, week out, but you know, that's Liga and that's not the Premier League to me. So the fact that he's come in and been more than serviceable, that, you know, which was probably what I, the most I would have ever asked of him to start the season. And the fact that he's come in and been very solid at the very least to me and had some, you know, not really put a foot wrong, especially recently. And he's, I think he's improved as the season's gone along as he's gotten more game time. So that'd be my shout. Fair enough, Jack, most improved player this season? I think it's, yeah, hard to argue with what Pat's just brought forward to the table there, to be honest. Um, um guess you can give Trevor Trevor a shout as well playing League One last League One in France last season and stepping up with the big boys in the Prem getting himself a new big deal um he's he's been magnificent as well so I'd probably say one of those two but Cobber's been class as well yeah no I think Cobber's probably easier in terms of Chelsea performances because obviously both those weren't at Chelsea last year in terms of like performances on from last season in a Chelsea shirt then I would say Kovacic uh, even though, again, last season he was pretty solid. But I would say, if you look at it, I think Pat's point of Malang has probably improved the most because he said he was he, started, he couldn't even get into the Porto starting team last year. He was in their B team, so that's quite a rise from him. Yeah, he's done done very, very well there. Uh, next question, Tom Coley. It looked like a 4-3-3-ish formation for me in large parts, a system that Ziyech and other Chelsea players have excelled in. Is it something realistically we can keep using going forward? I mean, Jeff, this is an interesting one because obviously, you know, Jay thought, you know, said we've got to play this 4-2-2 system till Reese gets back, right? Um, it is quite an interesting one because I guess because of the positions they play in, it's just that formation, it's not really, it's just, it's it's different formations in different parts of the game. Because even at points today, I still thought yeah. it looked like we had sort of that back three and sort of, you know, Callum and whoever on the other side sort of almost sort of wingbacks at points as well. So it did feel like that formation did have a lot, of, you know, different changes today. Yeah, it's almost one that... I don't know how to describe it, but it's like emotion, like just kind of evolves with what's going on on the pitch. I definitely have seen it in previous games and mentioned it where you you can clearly see that there is a four-two-two. But yeah, you you I think you see all of them. If we're if we're in trouble, you can bring Callum Black back. We've seen Ziyech playing in the last uh, home leg of the of the Carabao Cup up against Doherty when they were getting on top of us a little bit. It's yeah, very like seamless how everyone can move and just work work it out as a team based on what is going on in the on in the game. Um, so I think yeah, it's just down must be down to the clever clever management of Thomas Tuchel and getting those players to know know the systems and know how to adapt it in into in in game situations. Yeah, and Pat, is this sort of a formation you want to see, you know, for about moving forward when we do not have recent Chile available, or is it kind of opponent dependent? Because again, we did play sort of a back three against City, and while attacking wise, there were clearly some issues, it was fairly solid defensively as well. And before the four of a back didn't exactly set the world alight against Brighton midweek. No, I mean, I think that I think it depends on the opponent. Um, I think Jack brings up a good point. I think it's really a lot of the formations that Tomas Tuchel plays are very fluid. And, you know, we have, I think it depends on the players to be intelligent on the pitch, to know how to react. If we have to switch mid game to, you know, to, to a slightly different formation that we can do that. I, I think if we've got the likes of Malang Sar in the lineup that a back four is better, you know, is, is better. And that four through three kind of works better because we kind of said earlier in the podcast that Malang Sar is not really one. He's more in there for the defensive side of the game. He, even though I know he used to, he, he said in an interview, he used to be a forward. His, his, uh, his crossing ability is not exactly, you know, the, you know, certainly not on the level of like a Reese James or a Ben Chilwell, um, but uh, but but then if you've got like Marcus Alonso in there, obviously I don't ever want to see Marcus Alonso in a back four where he's a straight left back. So I want to you know I think it's just going to depend on the opponent and then who uh, Tomas Tuchel puts in the starting eleven because again I think it goes back to uh, that our formations at the end of the day are very fluid and it's never really going to stay the same. I mean I think in our questions you said four three three or four two four two you know you know and you know and um, seeing stuff like that, it's, it's kind of a, it's hard to kind of really nail down on what exactly it is at any one point in the game. 
Yeah, no, so I think it is just very flexible. I'll say credit to Ziyech because of just how he was at multiple positions on that pitch today. He was, he was yeah. kind of everywhere. And yeah, that formation just does seem to, you know, evolve compared to whatever different phases of the game we are in. Uh, next question comes in from Blue Army. Has Ziyech turned a corner? Question mark. It's one game or two games if we include Brian. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, but this is interesting. Where's Havertz? Because, Jack, this is what I want to know. I mean, it's kind of my complaints about Havertz not playing today are kind of irrelevant. But where is Kai Havertz? Because he's played about 10 minutes since that Spurs first leg. I mean, sorry, he did play a second half against um, uh, Chesterfield in the FA Cup. But in the game since, you know, he didn't play in second leg, got 10 minutes or so, you know, against Brighton. Didn't think, don't think he played against City. Like, what? where is Kai Havertz? Because I'm kind of confused. I don't know, mate. <laughs> Better go down, down to Cobham and ask Mr. Tuchel. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe it's one of those where after all those comments in the interview from Lukaku, Tuchel's wanted to sort of, after exiling him for that first game, he's wanted to put him in the team and keep him in the team and try and play him into some form. Because um, we know Havertz has, been, has had been playing in that sort of forward Fogs nine kind of role previous to that. Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one. It was like at Brighton the other day, he made the triple substitution very late on and people having poor games. We were all talking to each other in the away end saying, why is he not bringing on Havertz earlier, etc. So, I don't know. It's a strange one. There'll be some kind of reasoning behind it. Yeah, Pat, any thoughts on to why Kai Havertz isn't playing? And are you a bit disappointed with the lack of minutes he's had recently? Yeah, I have. I mean, because, you know, none of our attackers have exactly, before today, set the world alight. And, you know, let's not forget, we spent 72, mil- 72 million pounds, on, you know, to get Kai Havertz. And um, I think it might come down to the fact that Tomas Tuchel probably has yet to figure out, like maybe a lot of us, exactly what Kai's best position is. And, you know, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think it personally probably is that false nine, but then you come into the fact that you've got a 97 million and a 97 million pound, um, you know, attacker in Romelu Lukaku up there. So either way, um, you know, so I, I, that's the only thing that I can think of is maybe that maybe Tomas Tuka wants to try to build some chemistry. I think Jack was kind of referencing this in his answer, but wanting to maybe finally build some chemistry among that, among that attack, that attack, because chopping and changing every, every game is not going to build that chemistry that we need to try to build an attack. And it's not like you can say that any one individual has really, you know, covered themselves in glory to where they have to start every game. So if he's decided on an attack and he's trying to build chemistry, I would understand it from that perspective, but for any other reason, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think Kai has certainly played any worse than that before today than any of the other attackers have. So, yeah, I don't know why we've only seen him for such a little part of time, especially when you've made such an investment in a guy that has been, you know, advertised to be part of our future. And at the moment, he's just not getting minutes. Yeah, no, honestly, the Kai Abbott's thing does baffle me. Um, but again, I'm not really going to complain about today when Ziyech had a really good game, when Mount was really good, and when Rom looked a bit more like himself. So I'm not really going to complain about him not being involved today. Uh, final question comes in from Connor. We did score two goals, but I feel we still need to create more and better. However, is this due to the quality of the fullbacks that we have right now more than anything since even the attack played decent today? I think we said that earlier, didn't we? Just they, as P seemed to kill a few, a few attacks that we had, and they just at the end of the day. Aspie's a very good defender. Saar's been proving that he's very competent defensively, but going forward and that delivery and quality of uh, quality of balls into the box, they just don't possess it. That's not part of their of their game and their character traits. So you, at the end of the day today, like you've you've got to adapt the way we play to to their strengths, etc. So I think yeah. It, they just don't have the same quality in those areas of the pitch. And that's why we we don't create as many chances there, potentially. Yeah, fair enough. Pat, anything to sort of add to that? I mean, I, I completely agree with Jack. I think, it, you know, to answer the, like I said, my answer would be it probably comes down to the wingbacks because, you know, I th- when have we looked our best this season going forward when we had Reese James at right wing back and Ben Chilwell at left wing back. And then the moment Ben Chilwell goes down, I mean, we all had that collective gasp. 
and it hasn't been the same since because you know when ben went out we at least said well at least we have reese on the right and then then you know then he then he's out with the hamstring issue and yeah i mean you can only play to the you know the the strengths that you have uh, you know with the players in your side and at the moment we just don't have that you know that attacking option you know we don't have the depth at the wing back position to really you know with guys that can put in quality balls in the box on both sides so yeah i'd say i'd say it comes down to the wing to not to to uh, not having the likes of reese james and ben chilwell yeah no i think that's that's fair enough for the wing backs certainly were a clear position this system and look despite it has been misplaced buzz i will also say i thought second half you know going forward he was actually decent you know he was a bit better and yeah, he, you know, I'm, you know, both fullbacks today did the job, but we required and say, thankfully, the attack actually was was sort of on, on on one today. You know, still, you know, leaves you wanting a bit more as they normally do, but the fact is that we did create some decent chances, and you know, on another day that could easily have even been even possibly more than more than two 0 But yeah, it was it was a very good day. It was a day you know that felt big in in our season, and you know, we go into you know this little break in a healthy healthy position. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week of that Chelsea pod. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. Uh, before we go, Pat, why didn't you give yourself one last plug where people can find you on Twitter and find all your content? Well, Nick and Jack, first of all, thank you so much for giving me the honor of you know getting to come on your podcast. I love what you guys do. Guys, make sure you follow them at, at you know and support what they do. They're absolutely fantastic. But um, as far as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you can follow, find me um, on Twitter at it's at PTP underscore COYB match previews, match reviews, other, you know, other videos I put out there when, you know, if you just want a two, two, you know, a two minute plus video, you know, just trying to wrap up things pretty quickly, then I do it over there. And, you know, I appreciate any, I appreciate all the support that you guys always give me. Make sure you check Pat out. His links will be in the description below. He's a top, top guy. And it's been a pleasure chatting Tim about Chelsea for the last hour or so. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter about Chelsea Pod, on Instagram about Chelsea Pod. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers. You can leave us a rating review on Apple and Spotify, uh, which goes a long way. Uh, just basically play the pod to whoever will listen. Play it to basically anyone with a functioning pair of ears. That that will do do a job nicely. Um, but yeah, until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. And London is blue. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.